0: And next up, with the full embrace, Mike McHarg. I
1: can't get
2: enough am living in the city.
0: You guys, you guys, what, Jeff? Jeff, why are you so, so excited? Coming through the podcast world, multiverse, Bros, Bibles, and Beer, or Science Mike, would call it the BBB. I will accept it. Will
1: we, he call it that?
0: I don't know, but he did. I think. Does he? Will he? W- won't Could he? he? Could he? Should he? He? He?
1: At least he should do that. At least. At least. It's the BBB. It's the BBB. If it is only the BBB,
2: it is still sufficient to. Recognize. Is it enough, is it
1: enough, Scott?
0: That's what sufficient means. Is it enough, though?
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it was, enough, <laughs> uh, was the cross enough, Scott? Was the cross enough with no exceptions? Is the cross no, right the resu- side up or re- upside down?
2: Resurrection is required. Well,
0: wait, what? Upside down cross? Yeah. <laughs>
2: well, it's theorized that Peter was crucified upside down at his own request. It's not necessarily verifiable historically. So they were giving last requests uh,
0: that
1: hey, because... Hey, 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 yeah, Peter.
0: Hey. Up, up or down? <laughs> you go up or down? What do you, what do you want with the combo meal? Up or down? Hey, you
1: get fries with that. Jeff, what was Peter's <laughs> last nice. meal? You're chewing gum into the microphone. T- <laughs> <laughs> I'm Freaking- so, I'm so amped. <laughs> Unbelievable. Hubba Bubba Max Strawberry Watermelon. How Mm -hmm. old
0: are you? Okay, I'm sorry. When I was picking up the six-pack for us because it's Bros Bibles and beer, got some Stone IPA, I'm like, you know what? I haven't had Hubba Bubba Bubba Bubbalicious in about mm, 30, 32 years. Yeah. Back when I was in like fifth or sixth grade, and I grabbed it, and now I'm chewing it.
1: Is Hubba Bubba how you call your wife Honey Bunny when you're drunk? Uh, well, Zach, you know that I do not get inebriated. I have
0: one or two, and that is enough. By the way, let's go back to... I'm sorry. Did you have a response to that?
1: Go on. Sustained. Okay. Uh,
0: my last... Peter's last meal, filet mignon, potato, fully loaded with extra bacon, because mm. as... Oh, uh might have been after yeah, the... the- <laughs>
1: Go ahead. Okay. You were gonna go there? No, no, he's right though. He Peter might have wanted to not be an improper witness to the Jews around him. So he might have avoided the bacon. He's like, give me gluten free bacon. (laughs) But I will allow the speculation. Carry on. Extra bacon. So filet mignon potatoes are the garlic potatoes.
2: Oh sour cream?
1: They they had to be. Chives. He liked them lightly sprinkled. And with some skin, you need some potato skin mixed in, right? Oh, absolutely. For the texture and just kind of grinding
0: on the potato. That's enough. Mm, A little dirty. Yeah. So filet, the potato, and baby peas, and some corn, and I'm trying to remember what else he had on that plate. Asparagus? Mm -hmm. No, not asparagus, because he always said that it made his peas smell funny, so he, he... Peter always stayed away from the asparagus. I
1: mean, that's one thing everybody who was close to Peter knew is that his pea smelled funny and <laughs> that he didn't like it. Oh, I do remember. He mm-hmm. had some, He it was either French
0: or garlic bread. And he, he really liked that. It could have been garlic French bread. Mm, you know what? Actually, it was. No, no, no. It's sour, there's sourdough with uh, the cheese spread. Um, Velveeta. Sure. <laughs> I don't know where he, it wasn't Velveeta. That's horrible cheese. How well,
2: do you know historically? You can't prove
0: whether it was or was not Velveeta. Uh, you know what? I'm a strong believer in non-Velveeta cheese.
1: Man, if if science Mike McCarg was not going to be on this podcast, the title of this episode would be the Apostle Peter's last meal.
2: <laughs> That's pretty eye grabbing. What not to eat before being crucified upside down?
1: There you go. <laughs> That's awesome. I hope that's the way I go. All right. Well, let's get to Science Mike. That's what people are here for. Well, in addition to our rapier's wit. Mike? Mike? Where are you, Mike? So we got Science Mike Mike McCarg. Ask Science Mike, the podcast, the Liturgist podcast. He's got a book called Finding God in the Waves. Uh, Check out findinggodinthewaves.com. He's got book tour dates on that. Also, Ask Science Mike tour dates he's going to be in los angeles and costa mesa coming up in october i believe october november uh but some of us are planning to go to some of those so hit us up let's meet up let's go get a beer uh what am i missing anything well um you are definitely
0: missing a lot
1: okay i don't know what in that. regards to this specific section of our podcast, Scott. Oh, no. no Scott, you, oh, no. Scott no.
0: was talking that you've fallen no. way short in life.
1: Yeah, you you, no, you covered it all in regards to this part. So but by the book, get, get in the BBB pod bump. Make it happen. And also, please remember to rate and review this show, Bros Bibles and Beer, on iTunes. That helps us. It's There's a reason all of us humble podcasters are begging for reviews. It helps people find us. Be our millionth reviewer. Yeah, be our millionth reviewer. In (laughs) 14,552 years, we're going to read that review.
2: Yeah, unless we can get all of, you know, everyone that you know, 999,000...
1: Alright, so at BrosBabblesBeer <laughs> Facebook.com slash BrosBabblesBeer BBBPod.com Give us some feedback. We will engage and interact. We love all of you beersicles. And uh, alright, let's hear some from some, some, some. The great,
0: Oh yeah, here we go. Uh, the great heart of Mike McCarg, Science Mike. It's amazing. <laughs>
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, now we have a debate going on here. Uh, McDonald's or Del Taco Coffee? <laughs> um,
3: you know, I've never had Del Taco Coffee ever.
2: Okay, because that's just favorite.
0: So that's what I was saying. <laughs> it's McDonald's is way better. I'm pretty sure Del Taco and McDonald's have the same
3: supplier. They it's, probably it's similar. <laughs> it's like, Yeah, I mean, that's... Uh, <laughs> I think they're, like, reputable for just consistent caffeination <laughs> as opposed to amazing flavor.
1: <laughs> yeah, consistent <laughs> caffeination
3: Are you a fast food guy? No, I used to be, I'm not okay. anymore All right. It was, it was uh, I'm older than you guys So uh, yeah. the consequences of eating fast food To your health, waistline, and feeling You know, general feeling yeah. Kind of increase with age yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I try know. to avoid it as much as possible Unless there's been like a lot of drinking And it's really late
1: And then it's so beautiful
3: And then it's on It's, it's yeah. so
1: wrong, but it's so beautiful
0: yeah, I used to drink eight or nine Mountain Dews a day in my 20s, and then I got my 30s, and it just went through fast food like there was, it was going to be gone tomorrow. And uh, I just started losing feeling in my limbs after a while.
3: That's serious business. You might want to see a medical professional. They Thank might you. have diabetes. You
1: might have diabetes and i mean jeff jeff ran a, a marathon once and he ended up pissing black
0: that's and, true story i'm
1: pretty sure he was fueling himself with soda and burritos
0: it's terrible
3: i ran a marathon once but i did not piss black so yeah, yeah. Cool. i'm gonna say that was probably a problem that's you experience. win that's that seems like a bad deal yeah
0: it's a shocker when you're laying in a bathtub after a marathon, just totally spent, and you grab the trash can, and you're like, "I can't even move," so I'm gonna go in the trash can while sitting in the bathtub, and black is coming out. That was uh, <laughs> nice. someone told me I was probably close to renal failure and yeah. should
3: have gone to the hospital. Yeah, yeah, that's that sounds real, real bad in a, in a in a kidney way. Yeah,
1: yeah. The good thing is I'm alive today. Yeah, so good thing you have two of them. It's a miracle. Yeah. <laughs> Science Mike, welcome to Bros Bibles and Beer.
3: It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah. I'm a fan of all three.
1: <laughs> <laughs> As you should be. Um so I, I wanted to start off, I'm Zach, and my daughter Aubrey had a question for you last Christmas that you ended up answering on uh, Ask Science Mike. <laughs> I don't know if you remember, she asked I me I do. how yeah. Santa Claus could visit every house in one night. And so I just, I cleaned up the question a little bit on Twitter, and sure enough, on the holiday slash Christmas episode, you answered a question. And when I played that for her, the look on her face... My God, she she is
3: lit up. What do we do? Time dilation? Is that how we explain that? I think you... Relativistic time dilation or...
1: Yeah, that was one of them. I should have gone back and listened to it. You did like three different options, and a, a couple of them resulted in Santa and his reindeer being destroyed.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think it was dis- just disintegration.
1: But you you left you left it with hope. There was hope, and I, I don't remember how you did it, but it was obvious that you put in the time, and that was just uh, that was a beautiful thing.
3: Right on. Yeah. And the
0: good thing is, my kids came, you know, and accepted. Santa Claus again, so that was awesome. (laughs) (laughs)
1: They
3: invited Santa into their hearts.
0: (laughs) We believe again. Thank you, Science
3: Mike. The Santa altar call is at the mall. Yeah. (laughs) Every mall. So um, I can turn the video on if you want to take a picture. Oh yeah. yeah. So <laughs> in
1: the back. sure, it that's be, great.
3: Like it could be actually it's I, I can actually show up. <laughs> nice. Of course I'm behind the pop filter. Uh, yeah.
1: <laughs> you were frozen science, Mike, in a circle. <laughs>
3: there we go. Nice. That was good.
1: You're on it seems like every podcast. I get to listen to so many podcasts, and every time I hear you, it's a little bit different, but it's also the same. That's you'd been probably...
3: my experience. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> there's a word. There's probably a, a word for this where you say the same. If you say or think about the same word over and over again, and eventually it just becomes gibberish, and it's like it's not even
3: an English word. There uh, is a word for that. Um, sonor. I knew you might have something. <laughs> I'm gonna have to Google it.
1: I knew this was gonna be a well. We did Google it because
3: we knew you'd probably Google it for us. Semantic satiation.
1: Okay. Nice. Wow. I have heard that before. I have heard that, but I would have never come up with that. So thank you, (laughs) Google. Um, so you telling your story over and over again on every podcast, is it still, does it still feel real and super authentic or, or sometimes is it like I'm just doing this thing again?
3: I have to dig deep sometimes for podcasts. Yeah. Uh, I don't on stage. Because I'm pretty empathetic. Um, and so, kind of, the emotional presence of an audience kind of takes me back to that place. But sometimes uh, in podcasts, you're just like staring at your computer screen, your microphone. Right. And while you're talking, you don't hear the other person's, so there's no body language or responses. And I have to work pretty hard at a good telling at this point on a podcast to do it justice and when i when i'm not when i can't do it it just comes across as really dry and informative it's <laughs> yeah. like well here's all the words without any feeling and so that's why you know my favorite podcasts are the ones where it goes in unexpected directions or we cover new things and i get really excited about those interviews cuz i usually learn something uh, new in those conversations
1: yeah
2: well then, uh, this is the podcast for you. <laughs> yes, <laughs> we, we were kind of bummed that the book came out, um, a week ago because we were hoping that you would find our questions, uh, mind blowing and would want to incorporate them into your book. But, uh, there's always I'll
3: write more books, don't worry about it. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, there's, there's a second edition coming out. <laughs> yeah, right?
1: we're, we're gonna want to hear about that later. Sure. Yeah,
2: so. Yeah, one of the the questions that we came up with the, the three of us together took a while, but um, is <laughs> is your we are such a bunch of goofballs. Is your this uh, is, oh, is your no, brain um, is your brain insured? Okay, like, right. like, is my brain
3: insured? You know, yes, like Mariah Carey not independently her voice? of my life or health, but oh. it is bundled in with my life insurance and my health insurance. Okay. So indirectly, yes. But in, in what you're talking about in the like obscure London uh, uh, insurer means, no, not yet. Okay. Like, I'm, like sure, a, I'm sure yeah. it will be someday. Yeah, you, should, you, should, you could probably get a writer It's on like that. a
0: quarterback that has to insure his arm yeah. or hand or something like that. Yeah.
3: yeah.
1: All right. Mike's All right. brain is his right arm. <laughs> <laughs> quarterback. <laughs> Basically guys.
3: true.
2: Basically All right. True. And uh, some more about brain science. Uh, if you could only have one part of your brain. Which one would you prefer to keep? That's a good question.
3: Are you talking, when you say one part, it depends on how you're going to divide the brain. Are you talking cellularly? Or are you talking by organizational unit, by lobe? Oh, I, Mike, we're probably going to have to end the podcast. Yeah. This um, is way over our page. Uh, sh- yeah. I would, say, I would say functionally. Divide the brain functionally
2: so by lobe or by gland or by
0: like
3: Like if you could just have your
2: pituitary gland would that like somehow
0: I want to keep growing
2: (laughs) (laughs) or is that not really a part of the brain? I don't know. Uh, well, I mean, yeah, you really
3: need your cerebellum a lot for any of the other brain to do anything. I guess I'd have to, I mean, I wouldn't be aware of it, but, You need the basal ganglia, right? You've got to have that. I don't know. I was just telling Uh, Jeff that. (laughs) (laughs) It's a really hard question. I mean, the brain's pretty interdependent. Okay, let's go with that. Kind of your favorite parts of the brain, though, are the ones you can survive without. So you can have extensive damage to different parts of the neocortex and survive, but it greatly diminishes your experience as a human. Uh, Your lower brain is less involved in most um, thought experiments, although very active in your emotional life. But much more essential to your organ's ability to function and the brain's ability to interface with the body. So it's it's actually a really well designed, but but devilishly difficult question.
0: All right. Well, so what it part-
3: might be fun to ask a neuroscientist if you could keep any, you know. Uh, Five cortices of the brain, which five would you choose?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, Well, I'm writing that down. We're working on getting Sam Harris on. He's not responding to our tweets, but uh, we'll we'll keep working on that.
3: (laughs) He's kind of a big deal, though, you know. Yeah,
1: for sure.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, what part of the brain controls crying or emotions?
3: (laughs) Several parts of the brain are incorporated in different types of sadness. Okay, and it would depend on whether you're kind of talking about guilt or if you're talking about um, like joyish, joyish, joyous, joy, joyous um, like that kind of warm. Yes, uh, that would kind of live mainly in your uh, orbitofrontal cortex. Okay, and your anterior cingulate cortex. Um, I think, I think with some association with the ventral stratum, but I'm not sure. I'm just spitballing here.
0: Okay. Well, my I. I my church, cries, no, well, yeah, yeah my church, uh, They yeah, every time I get on stage, I end up telling a story and crying, and they're like, enough, Jeff. So I am really looking into your having whatever cut out of my brain, so will <laughs> allow me on stage.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's not my fault. <laughs> it's,
0: it's not your fault, Scott.
1: <laughs> yeah, and it's also what was engaged when uh, Jeff started reading your book.
0: I've
3: heard it's a tearjerker, the book. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, oh, gosh. Is that... And the the story... You guys didn't tell me why we were here? The story <laughs> in general.
1: I mean, I, I, I remember I've listened to the Liturgist first, and that's kind of how I got on your bandwagon a while back. And um, hearing your story from Lost and Found, I mean, when you... That moment that you say, I was there when Jesus talks to you and says, I was there when you were eight, seven, eight... Uh, and I'm here with you now. Uh, I mean, that was just chills, just full body chills.
3: And and uh, in fairness, that was also my experience at the time. No, for sure. (laughs) It's not just like cleverly written. It's what happened. Yeah.
0: (laughs) I mean, in that moment, so a little background, um, I became a believer six years ago and literally, you know, by, just chance ended up, um, my wife befriended some people and then we went to church and I agreed to go and our, we, our life was just in shambles. I mean, we were in a, uh, a deep, dark black hole and, you know, really me and as a, as a leader and I really wasn't, but um, we, I decided to go to church with my wife and, and in a moment, just a moment in time, it was like I'd finally answered the call to God and just lost it. Just, it was like, I give it over and God's like, I've got you. And just tears. I just, I can't even, and ever since I've been crying, so I can't. Um, and so when I read that, that moment and the moment in Laguna, I, I completely connected with, you know, just going through that experience. Um, it's, I mean, was it overwhelming emotionally?
3: Yes. Um, absolutely overwhelming overwhelming and bewildering Bill. so i had I had kind okay. of simultaneous feelings of affirmation and relief and confusion and skepticism all rolling around in my head at once Man. um and it was it was pretty tough to process that
0: in the moment obviously
3: yeah i mean i, I think for it's almost like, what is what is happening to me? What is happening to me? Yes. Is this real? What does that mean? <laughs> I mean, I feel like it would be, for most people, like visiting the North Pole and saying, there's actually a workshop with elves in it. <laughs> <laughs> and just a not not the sense of wonder and incredulity mm-hmm. you would feel, it would be very similar to what I felt uh, from the period from the Eucharist to the beach and after. Hmm. And
1: I, I feel like we're we kind of skipped a lot for those that don't know. uh, Why don't you just go ahead and and do a quick, why you were standing on the beach uh, and how you got to that point.
3: Previously on the life of science, Mike. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) we went Tarantino. Um, I grew up Southern Baptist, loved it. My father had an affair. He was a Baptist minister. I thought that was wrong. So I decided to research, what God had to say about marriage in the Bible, read the whole Bible, became an atheist, was an atheist for two years. My wife found out. My wife told my mom. They decided to pray for me. I told them, ha suckers, nothing will happen. <laughs> and then... Um, Did you literally tell that to them? No, no. I just <laughs> thought it would be funny in short format.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it works for sure.
3: Uh, no, I was, I was much more gracious, but I honestly didn't think anything would happen. I got invited to NASA in California, while in California, I got invited to a conference with Rob Bell, and at that conference had a crazy, powerful, mystical experience. Uh, well, two, really. One, I heard an audible voice speak to me, which I um, believed was Jesus, which was strange because I didn't believe Jesus was an actual historical figure, and the voice was in English, <laughs> and um, pretty sure Jesus was real. He spoke Arabic, and maybe 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 Hebrew. And then I also stood on the beach, as described in detail in the book, and had like a really powerful mystical experience where I saw and felt I had a little southern jangle for you there. Yeah, that was nice. <laughs> I saw and felt a um, extremely bright light, um, and then time stopped. Even I've told that, how many times? I've probably told that 3,000 times, 3,500 times. And I still feel weird and self conscious about that part because it just sounds loony. Yeah. Um, But some, uh, like people who've had mystical experience, they go, I know what you're talking about. They totally get it. But other people, it just sounds crazy. And then I was kind of in another place for a little while. And then I was standing on the beach again. Uh, really confused because I still felt like I was an atheist, but that experience was too powerful to ignore. Wow! Hmm. I think that might be a speed record for telling that one.
1: That was pretty <laughs> good. You've had some practice. Well,
0: that's we're all about that, so we can always get
3: to the beer. And <laughs> <laughs> it's actually it's a it's a um, it's a good tale. I tell it with great care in the book. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, cause people can read the book. I like in interviews to kind of, well, here's the framework right. for the stuff we're going to talk about. That's not in the book. So nobody's wasting their time in internet land.
1: Yeah. It's beautiful. So your family, that transition, I am, uh, the transition from Christian Southern Baptist to atheist, kind of closeted atheist. And then when your wife finds out, and you guys have that discussion how what were some of the ways that you guys navigated that cuz that that's something that whether tears people apart whether it's uh, a religious change or different philosophies or uh, the death death of a loved one that you're mourning differently over um that type of thing can just ruin people so how was that how did you guys navigate
3: that not easily at first we had the first um kind of tough nights we'd ever had in our marriage, really. And we'd been married a long time. And I, I didn't know if we'd make it through it at first, but I just kept affirming my love for her and my commitment for her and the fact that she was more important to me than my belief or more accurately unbelief about God. And I think based on years of mutual trust and respect, um, it sunk in and, and she realized that I did love her and, and that there wasn't we weren't headed for the brink. Uh it helps that I said I wouldn't tell our kids about atheism if that's what made her happy.
1: Yeah.
0: Um It seems like that was your crossroads because I did go and listen to kind of the follow-up of the, the wives in um your the podcast, The Liturgist, um recently and you or your wife you know, talked about, you know, our, that's what, I mean, God is, was our crossroads is what brought us together. It's, it's, uh, you know, where my husband is headed towards God. And I mean, you obviously, you've got an amazing wife to stand by you through that. Yeah. And to, to fight together, it's just, it's an amazing moment in time in life for your marriage. Um, (laughs) <laughs> just I get goosebumps right now, just just thinking about it. I mean, just wives and how amazing they are and how much they will i 'll say put up with um, and in our in the moments of uh challenge and adversity and um I mean, I hear it from you like so immediate, like damn right, you know i've got an amazing wife um, so when you go through that. I mean, are, is is she the pillar are, are you, do you feel weak at all as a, a man or in your marriage? I mean,
3: I think we're each other's pillars. Okay. I think she and I have shifted our view on marriage from being a thing where we share like common beliefs in some system and instead we're committed to walking with each other through the journey of life, wherever it leads and the difficulty of talking about this very uncomfortable truth in the room that I didn't believe in God anymore has has paid great dividends in our relationship because we aren't afraid to tell each other the truth anymore, both ways. Um, and we trust each other to receive the truth in grace. And I mean sometimes one of us or the other one ends up being the pillar or the strong one. Um, but what matters ultimately is that um, we care for each other and we're committed to each other. And maybe sometimes we can both be weak and afraid, but we can do that together. That's a great...
1: That's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. so um, more... I just remember from the book and the podcast how you taught your... You said you taught your best Sunday school as an atheist.
3: Um, Oh, I was killing it. Atheist Sunday school teacher Mike was incredible.
1: Yeah. And you baptized one of your daughters as an atheist?
3: I I led her to Christ and she was baptized. I didn't baptize her myself.
1: Okay. So how how does one go about teaching their best Sunday school as an
3: atheist? Well, I studied the Bible so much, I didn't believe in it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> we, so <laughs> we we have a little bit of
0: wait stop right stop right there so new believer six years and this guy right here he's he's like Jeff just you're on fire just don't read the Bible you know
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> it's good advice really yeah on I, some level
1: I've got uh, you know conservative evangelical upbringing and fairly recently with the assistance of people like you and Pete Enns and uh Michael Gunger well there's so many others but assisting my faith shift to make it something of my own and I I didn't realize it but I now point back and and say I had a faith and a personal relationship with the Bible yes as absolutely a, as opposed to uh, a live in a living a living a living Christ, uh, and now it's you know Christian all my life, and only in the in the last few years i I have this like mind blowing experiences here and there of like wow i'm for the first time i'm actually following christ, I think so that that was fascinating to me, how you are in church and shifting and teaching teaching kids and because I, I know there's I see people at our church that I go to, and i I can just see it that they're they're just not there. They're kind of checked out. They're going through the motions, and I'm just I'm just wondering how how do we? I guess the question is how does one facilitate an environment where there's not this hiding? Is it just the church you go to, or the people you surround yourself with?
3: You're honest all the time. Not in a way. There's you say honest all the time. So people will be like, oh, I'm just going to tell people. Their clothes look ugly and I don't like their hair. That's not what I'm talking about. Like, quote, brutal honesty, unquote. Right. What I'm talking about is being genuine about where you are in life instead of posturing to make yourself look successful or posturing to hide the things you're ashamed of. And any community that accepts that will start to do that as well. And then you are fostering an environment where people don't experience shame over their beliefs. Uh, It has to be a cultural value that we don't shame people for changing beliefs or evolving beliefs or whatever or doubt. And we don't place as a condition of relationship the things other people believe about God or whatever. When you do that, you create the safety for people to... Explore in the context of community, which, oddly enough, based on the way humans tend to form beliefs, makes it less likely for people to completely bottom out of faith or abandon faith altogether. Um, it's the sense of potential rejection and ostracization that so often encourages people to make a preemptive strike and leave, so they can't be rejected.
0: Hmm. What's that? It's that fear, right? It's totally fear. Yeah. Um. And by the way, we have openings at our church. You're more than welcome to, you
3: know, become a member. You Where are you based? <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're
0: actually right down the street from Laguna Beach.
1: <laughs> oh,
3: really? Yeah, San Juan awesome. Capistrano. That's oh man, that's beautiful. Yeah, I've been there. There's a coffee shop like by the railroad tracks there that I love. Yeah. It's, a,
0: it's oh, the m-
2: McDonald's next to the Chevron, <laughs> <lawn>, right? <laughs> that's the
3: one. Yeah, it's, pr-
2: it's
0: you know what? It's probably Kailani Coffee in San Clemente. I don't, I don't know.
1: No, what's the name is the, the li- one that Jake worked
0: at? I don't hidden know. house coffee.
3: Hidden house. That's yeah.
1: it. Oh, oh nice. nice. Shout out to hidden
3: house. Funny. We
0: know some of those
1: people. <laughs> They're great people.
0: I, okay. So I have a question. Um, you become an atheist and then you're in the faith again. And so my question, simple question, do you feel that your, your faith is stronger in the, in you know, I'll call it first faith and then your second faith, do you feel like you're, you're stronger in either one or is it different?
3: I deeply believe both times <laughs> my first faith was more rigid my rigid in in terms of people
0: or accepting giving space you, you name it okay okay <laughs> it was more
3: rigid <laughs> okay uh, epistemologically, theologically about people um, about behavior, everything. the faith I have now is very. Liberating Humble and trusting,
0: okay.
3: okay, and liberating. Okay, I don't. I don't have to be the guy with the answers. I don't have to be the guy who knows everything about God. Uh, it's not my job to save the world or to save anyone. I think, in my old faith, I had an awful tendency to confuse myself with Christ, Damn. and to take on the weight of the world as my sole and unique responsibility. And now. Wow. I experience this gift of life that I've been given and I enjoy it and I try to enjoy that with other people and I tell them about what fills me with awe and wonder and beauty and sadness and they do the same. I I never, I'm as unevangelistic as a person can be. I don't ever try to convince people that they should believe anything about God or about Jesus, but somehow The process of being open and honest about what fills me with wonder and awe, well, for me, that has to include (laughs) a a, a Christ-centered spirituality. And the fact that I don't judge people and I accept wherever they may be spiritually tends to buy some credibility in today's culture. Establish trust. It establishes trust. And then from there, I've just noticed uh, people are a lot more open to exploring historical Christianity, because I'm not saying if you don't do this, you're a horrible person who's going to burn forever. I'm saying this is a thing I've really enjoyed. Um, and this is a thing that really fills me with life and the thing that really opens me to the suffering of others. And um, I think people are often interested in that.
0: Yeah. I, I, love, I love your heart. Um, I mean, I could just f- feel it coming through and that connection, that deep, genuine connection that you get with, with people. I mean, it's life giving. <laughs> it's, it's such a, it's such an emotional rush, um, to kind of live like that with people. Uh, recently I, uh, it was probably a couple of days ago I went and I'm like, I wonder, you know, if you're up to anything and I, I think, uh, I see, I saw something about the liturgist were were you in
3: Denver? We were with, in Denver. Yeah. We yeah. Had a liturgist gathering. Right.
0: And I, I'm reading about that. I'm like, oh my goodness. I mean, just to, to just step into these spaces and in, in our country, uh, with people who uh, are just fighting for life and trying to find meaning and have so many questions. What's, what's that? What was that like? And what is that process like of, of I realize we're, you know, we, we, I mean, I love your book, but I would love to hear about the other things as well. Sure. How, how is that? How was that? The gathering? The
3: liturgist gathering was one of the most amazing things I've ever been a part of. Uh, There's something special about that community. I stopped calling it an audience because whether they're atheists or evangelicals or agnostics or. Mainline Protestants, whatever background people come from, they've all had some experience where they've been judged or shamed or ostracized and been told they don't belong. And because of that, they don't do that to anyone. And we come together sometimes like spiritual refugees, and you don't have a lot of room for pretense in a room like that. There's not a lot of posturing, there's a lot of honesty, and there's a lot of empathy. And, you know, we play some music. We plan a liturgy and invite people to participate if they want to and let people know that everything from biblical literalism to atheism is totally accepted and allowed and encouraged in that room and that that time. And then we spend, you know, the next day, two sessions, a couple hours each, just literally talking about whatever people want to talk about who are there. You just, and you don't raise your hand. You just, let's talk about this. And then we just talk about that. And then we close with another liturgy and an invitation to the table. And what we've found is people tell us that um, some people haven't sang a spiritual song with other people in years and do so for the first time. And some people who have not been able to come to the table for a long time because they've been hurt by a church come to the table and gather with others. It's this, the simplest, most low-key thing. There's all these write-ups about how we're doing something hip or doing something revolutionary. Uh, and all we do is have a church service and talk about it. <laughs> yeah. it, does,
1: it does seem closer to the church than a lot of churches. So what is it about? It's almost like giving up that control from your former faith in the form of the liturgists, releasing control and releasing fixing people allows people to be healed in mind-blowing ways. What's going on there? I don't know.
0: By the way, I, I'm, I'm crying I again, I did. but go ahead.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't have any idea. Um, Michael and I were just lonely and hurting. Mm. And so we started a thing that we needed Spiritual resources for the doubting. Spiritual Jesus resources for people who weren't sure they could have any faith in Jesus. Honoring skeptics, honoring skepticism, accepting science, and seeing if there's anything left of faith for people like us. And we figured out there were a lot of people out there like that. And our only, we have one agenda that's to let everyone know they're welcome at the table. That's it. That's it. It's the only agenda. It's an awesome thing. Um and if they don't if they're not interested in the table, that's okay. It's just we just want them to know that they are welcome. Beautiful.
2: Is there in that is there any like clear message about either your faith or you know anything clear about Jesus or salvation, forgiveness of sin, things like that or is No way. It,
3: <laughs> <laughs> we talk about all the different perceptions there are on those topics across different faith traditions and admit that they're confusing and contradictory and that we don't know which one is right. So, I mean, we, we had a big discussion about like uh, penal substitutionary atonement theory versus Christus Victor versus ransom atonement theory versus the Greek Orthodox soteriology. We kind of covered the whole gamut across the entire church. Just so people knew. And I think that's troubling, especially to some of my friends who are, you know, evangelical. But I would just point to a story I told in the book. None of the disciples had their theology together when they were invited to follow Jesus. They were just invited to follow Jesus. And so I'm captivated by Jesus. And I say, hey, I'm following this guy if you want to join me for a few steps. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You can. Yeah. If not, we might come through later. It's okay. I heard, come follow me, so I did. But it doesn't mean that I have it all figured out. And I think that's okay because the Gospels, none of the disciples had it figured out, even not only only when the crucifixion happened, but after the resurrection. Jesus comes back, and they're just as confused as ever for that remaining period of time while he was on the earth. Yeah. It's like they still didn't get it, and Jesus didn't go. You're not my followers. You're not my family. Yeah, (laughs) he said, "Blessed are those." Right. So, I think we've overemphasized theological mastery and underemphasized the simple act of trusting and following Jesus in Christianity.
2: Now, what if uh, what if someone kind of said something that was, I don't know, pretty blatantly not even alluded to in scripture about Jesus. Like what? That. Um, just um, Jesus, I mean, and just pick anything. Like, uh, uh, Jesus went to all the nations and all the earths and um, and then he did miracles in places that aren't described or
3: he there were multiple incarnations. You mean there was like a, like a Latter-day Saints you, invasion? Yeah, like mayb- <laughs> maybe.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got Mormons on my
3: mind. Um, (laughs) how we talk about it? Yeah, yeah, okay. Why do you think that? Yeah, tell me about it. Yeah, why do you think that? Why do I? No, no, I'm not saying you. (laughs) I'm saying the person. Like, yeah, tell me about that. That's interesting. I I mean,
2: yeah, well, yeah, uh, and then you know, that's who I think Jesus is taking the conversation from there. But
3: yeah, I I don't, I don't really get into debates about Jesus. I don't have a way to say that like my gospel-centered picture is better than their. Uh, Book of Mormon-centered perspective. I would probably invite them to start the the Mormon Liturgist podcast and see how it goes. <laughs> yeah, you know, nice. Yeah. Um. I it's just it's literally never happened.
1: Yeah. Okay. So let's. Uh. We have to touch on uh, science stuff with prayer. I'm fascinated by your section on what prayer does to uh, your brain.
3: I want to get back to something. Just just to Do clear it. The air do it. I don't make exclusive faith claims. Okay. I don't say like, I know a thing that I know is right about Jesus and the thing you know about Jesus is wrong. Because I've, I've been spent too much time as a skeptic and an empiricist to make those kind of claims. Amen. I, I think I say it in the book, I don't know if the world needs Jesus. I only know that I do. And that level of uh, vulnerability and humility, I think makes some people uncomfortable because they're used to making like really definite Uh, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father, but by me kind of statements about Jesus. And I think that's great that those people can make claims like that. It's past what I'm able to do today.
0: Hmm. And people need, I mean, we're human and people want answers. So, you know, it's, it's good to let people know. You know, I don't have the answers. It's the new Ask Science Mike. uh, I may have the answers, but it's okay if I don't.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Which I do on Ask Science Mike a lot, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, well, I don't... I mean, this is a really tough question, so here's my best researched answer and a somewhat uneducated opinion.
1: (laughs) Yeah. You always reserve the right to go back and say, nope, I changed my mind. Right, exactly. Exactly,
3: you know. Yeah.
1: So prayer, I, I just have this thought that some of the prayer science... You got conservative Christians thinking, are you just saying it's in my head? And then the atheists are probably <laughs> on the other side of the coin saying, see, we told you, it's just in your head. So how does how does prayer...
3: I have great news. Yeah. If we study whether you love your spouse, it tells nothing about whether your spouse exists or not, right? Yeah. If, if your spouse is in the room, mm-hmm. we've never met your spouse, and we brain scan you. We can tell you clearly love this person, but we can't use your brain to prove that they exist. So, when we study what God does to the brain, it doesn't say anything about the existence or non-existence to God. It merely tells us about human reactions to it. So, I think both, you know, Christians tend to get bummed out by neuroscience because they think it's reductive. Atheists tend to get overconfident. But if you talk to neuroscientists who study the brain's response to God, they will tell you this says nothing about God's existence and everything about how people respond to the idea of God.
1: So, how,
2: <laughs> I think that means that he thinks he got it all. <laughs> I didn't get it. Yeah.
1: Um, <laughs> we know we'll deconstruct that answer later for ourselves. Yeah, yeah mind melting. So, <laughs> prayer, so, prayer being healthy and good for you. Yes. How is that? How does that work out? It's like regardless of is it regardless of exactly how you pray,
3: whether God exists or not, prayer is good for you, and uh, prayers across different religious traditions tend to be about equally good for you. So a Buddhist who meditates get, gets very similar neurological benefits to a Christian who does centering prayer. Um, there are some differences in terms of brain science between religious and non-religious meditation. So you can you can make a distinction there, which I, I think is fascinating. Something unique happens in the brain when we pray or meditate in response to God versus when we pray and meditate just in a secular mindfulness context. Interesting. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I obviously in the book tend to focus... On the effects of Christian prayer and where it's been studied, but I, I think I do mention that all prayer and meditation yeah. has has similar impacts on the brain. But but the good news is I include that for people who are doubting uh, because after I came back to faith, I felt very self conscious every time I prayed. You know, like I was kind of uh, talking to Santa Claus or or something. Santa Claus is my favorite analogy because it's so accessible to most Westerners. Yeah, and. When I learned that science justified this as something that was incredibly good for my brain, then I didn't feel silly praying because I was doing something that was about as neurologically beneficial as reading, and reading's incredibly beneficial. And so, even if there was no God, I wasn't wasting my time. Even but if you're reading funny, the Bible, right? Uh, well, I do <laughs> I actually. I love the Bible again. I'm a daily Bible reader again. I, I, was, I made a joke earlier today that I find myself in the odd position that I read the Bible more often than I drink alcohol. <laughs> that hasn't been true for a long time. So, but sorry, it's kind of the Wesleyan tradition in that in the practice of faith we find the faith. Um, so I'm a Methodist now, and I really like that part of the Methodist theology. The focus on practice can lead to faith, can lead to deeper belief. Uh, so if we can justify the practice scientifically, we can help people who really doubt in a very serious way feel closer to. God to Jesus and to some form of orthodox Christian faith.
2: Yeah, and in one of the pages uh, you, you mentioned, um, uh, quoting here, if believing in God is important to you, research says that you can start by pretending God is real, giving your brain something to work or play with as you build a new
3: neurological image of God. I'm real proud of that sentence. Thanks yeah. for picking
2: that it's- yeah, yeah, well, and I was going to suggest that as your next book, uh, Playing with God...
3: Uh, Might be. Yeah, that would be a good one, actually.
0: Actually, I'd be for Bros Bibles and Beer and Mike McHarg.
3: (laughs) That's a good pronunciation. Oh, is it? Yeah.
0: Are you Scottish, Irish? The name is Scottish, yeah. Okay, I'm Irish, so it's it's somewhat familiar. Yeah, right on.
1: In my head, when I say your name, when I think about your name, it always sounds like Pete Rollins for some reason <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about that today it's always it's a crystal clear vocal imprint of Peter Rollins it's amazing, That's amazing. yeah just do, the, just do the pirate
3: joke now no it's... <laughs> hey, I, you mean Mike McCard?: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah we, we,
2: were de- we were debating on whether or not you have heard that before oh, the f- other good one is you can't
1: it.
3: spell McCarg without argue
1: nice mm. nice <laughs> beautiful and you do it so well now you do it beautifully Argue in the classical
3: sense, I guess. <laughs> I guess, yeah, in a, maybe in a discussion. discussion yeah, I, I avoid format. like actual arguments, like yeah. the play, so.
0: Yeah, for sure. You guys, do we have anything funny
2: to talk about? Oh, we've we've blown out the funniness yeah, already. Funny, oh, we blew oh, it oh, early. Yeah.
3: out of stock. Yeah.
2: Uh,
0: uh, one question back to when I was asking Believer before and after. Maybe it's just an obvious question. Your marriage uh, before and after coming through that stronger.
3: Way stronger, and which is important. It was strong before, right? We didn't have a weak marriage, but yeah. now, um, your communication is probably
0: at a, at a much greater, honest, genuine, open level. I would, yeah, we're,
3: we're pretty much out of pretense with each other, hmm. and there's a real intimacy that comes with that. I, the only thing I've had to learn actually is, uh, if you're <laughs> sometimes you can be too vulnerable. like before the book came out, I was just terrified that I'd made a terrible decision that wasn't going to sell any copies and we were just going to go bankrupt and the children would never eat again. Cause I tend to get panicky about, um, money. And I I said it so much. I think it actually started to like affect her emotionally Mm -hmm. to the point. It was like, Hey, what if we, I understand how you feel. What if we just don't mention that for a while? <laughs> <laughs> I recognize it, but stop
1: talking about but it.
3: I recognize you feel that way, and I'm aware you feel that way. Yeah. You just let me know if it changes. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. It doesn't instill any confidence in a wife, like, I don't know if we're going to have any money next month.
3: <laughs> it's actually really funny. I did, I did that piece in the Washington Post, and there's a couple of people that are like kind of cyber-stalking me. Because yes. they're trying to make sure I know that they know that I'm just fleecing Christians for money, and that that they know what I'm up to—that I'm just a businessman scamming Christians. And I, it's, I'm not going to reply to encourage it, but I so want to reply uh-huh. that I am a terrible businessman. <laughs> <laughs> there's got, just, I don't there's know. so much easier ways to make a living than author podcaster. Yeah. <laughs> God bless your heart.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you are number one, though. We saw that number one that's true on amazon that's, true. that's beautiful
3: i mean all joking aside like the book has done re- has done phenomenally well in opening week so i'm nice. very very happy
1: yeah finding god in the waves and we'll have everything in the show notes and uh and all the links to your stuff uh, one thing, Scott. you had that question. Yeah,
2: I had a couple more difficult questions that uh, I love it. You might want to.
1: These are I, I mean these for... are actually the
3: very difficult questions. Yeah.
1: Scott represents the conservative wing of Bros Bibles and beer. Yeah, so Let's get, do
3: it. Get ready. You might uh, just prepare yourself for disappointment <laughs> because when you create conservative traps, I walk right in them. <laughs> just don't even care. Well, we were going.
0: Uh, Scott, Scott was going to take you down a, a, a um, what is it? A, I think you said rabbit hole. Rabbit hole with a mallet, and then he was going to smack you over the head. <laughs> Man,
3: <laughs> I'm. A, I'm just saying, I will follow you right into the rabbit. Hole. <laughs> like most people, because I can kind of forecast where those kind of lines are going, and you can try to avoid them. And then I just go, you know what? Forget it. I'll just be honest.
0: So, <laughs> oh my gosh, Mike brought a taser. Have, run! Yeah.
2: <laughs> just don't be brutally honest. I got my hair cut today. Boom. So it looks great. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Oh,
0: wait, you can see us? <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> All right. So All right. go for you, it, Scott. You might want to incorporate these into uh, playing with God. Um, so you have a uh, couple of daughters uh, here. Is that? Uh... That's that's correct. Okay.
3: If, They're quite uh, wonderful. What's that? I'm sorry? They're quite wonderful.
2: Oh, nice. When they grow up, they'll eventually start to be interested in other things. Mm-hmm. And when that happens, um, which uh, scientists' hand would you approve in marriage for them? And I have a couple of uh, options. <laughs> There's here. options here. Hold <laughs> on, <Options> Mike. <laughs> here.
3: This is this is so much more amazing than I could have ever have thought this would go. Okay,
2: you could put it in the preface to the book. Um, <laughs> it was a
3: it was a low bar, <laughs> or or,
2: or, yeah, or an appendix. All right, uh, here's your here's the four. All right, so here are the four four scientists you have to choose from for your daughters and I guess you have to choose two of them uh well unless you're Mormon then I guess (laughs) (laughs) this
0: podcast is (laughs) deteriorating
2: all right so uh number one uh Carl Sagan Richard Dawkins Neil deGrasse Tyson or Kenneth Alfred Hamm
1: (laughs) oh well two of them are married well let's, well, let's just disregard uh, unfortunate
2: <laughs> circumstances.
3: Uh, you know, we're they're talking, no longer married.
1: We're talking in their prime. Cause oh Carl, yeah, Carl, yeah, Not Sagan. Now. It's Sagan Tyson. There's
3: not even. There's no second uh, thought needed. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Mm. All right.
2: Follow up question. All right. Now, after they get married, um, you're going to pay for them to honeymoon somewhere because because you now you're a famous author, right? Um, <laughs> you have a ton of money. <laughs> uh, so. <laughs> So where would you pay for them to honeymoon? Uh, one is the Bamp Springs Hotel in Alberta, Canada. And I'm, I'm going to think that that's where Zach went that's for his honeymoon. That's where I went on my It's a beautiful place, apparently. Now, the other place is Heaven. Now, wait for it. But Heaven is actually the name of the beach that was in the movie Contact in Fiji. Yes. Love it. Um, the, uh, or would you want to uh, send them on Ken Hems Big Ass ark? Okay. okay. Or the place where they would be one with the totality of the force.
1: <laughs> is, that a star, is that a Star Wars reference,
3: Scott? <laughs> is that like there's a specific place in the galaxy?
1: I couldn't find where people that are in the force... There's a difference between being able to be seen after you die in the force and where other people go. And all I found was the totality of the force. <laughs>
3: Then if the Force is real, my girls will get there eventually. So I'm just going to – they can see that later. It also sounds expensive, probably interstellar travel involved, which is more than the GDP of, you know, nations, really.
0: Yeah. You Um, you can actually get a good price on
3: Priceline or Expedia. Yeah, Priceline, destination, totality of the Force. (laughs) That may that, be the I, best I send them both quote. To the Same place? Is that the deal?
1: <laughs> uh, no, no, no. no. <laughs> yeah, they're separate. Separate scientists. Separate honeymoons. Unless you want. I mean, it's your money. You can put them where
3: you want. <laughs> I, I think clearly they they just go to heaven, the beach. Yeah, <laughs> it beautiful. seems nice. Yeah, Jody Foster, I like it. Beautiful.
1: We're coming up on time here, but we never we didn't really touch on the axioms, and I know that's kind of going back a little bit, but <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, if we didn't mention those <laughs> Mike yeah, just seems like a friend now it's I know.
2: let's just get really deep, something that won't take too much time. why don't you pick one, Scott um, i'm going to go with this axiom here: The Bible is at least a collection of books and writings assembled by the church that chronicle a people's experience oh, i'm sorry that chronicle a people's experiences with an understanding of, oh my gosh, I am not. Reading. The, yeah, it's like scientific, <laughs> scientific writing here. We're, me- we're melting <laughs> down. A people's, a people's experiences with and an understanding of God over more than a thousand years, even if that is a comprehensive definition of the Bible, study of scripture is warranted to understand our culture and the way in which people come to know God.
3: I mean, that just sounds brilliant. Whoever wrote that should get some kind of prize. <laughs> yeah,
0: that was a lot. I don't yeah, know we'll if he's going to actually remember and we'll respond get him on a, on the podcast. Maybe read a book. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so why
0: did you pick that one, Scott?
2: Um, it was just interesting with the other descriptions of the Bible. Um, so that last part, study of Scripture is warranted to understand our culture and the way in which people come to know God. So is that... The way in which people come to know God, that sounds kind of like, I think it's First Peter, where it, it talks about that scripture is able to make them wise or give them the knowledge or understanding to, to come to the knowledge of God. I'm totally butchering that. Was that in any way inspired by any verse that talks about biblical inspiration or uh, scripture in general? In, I'd in love to say
3: yes, <laughs> but then I would be a lying... So, those axioms are all written with skepticism as an assumption. So, those axioms assume you reject God as an idea, that you don't accept the authority of Scripture, that you're coming from a materialist epistemology, and how can a person like that come to have a faith of some kind? assuming you've already had the, like, big research, the fight over the epistemology of revelation, spirituality, all those things. And they, the axioms are meant to act as a scaffold that let very skeptical people justify Christian faith and practice. They're not meant to be theological statements, and they're not meant to be permanent even. I don't really use those axioms anymore. But they're meant to be a ground-floor empirical justification for Christian faith and practice, for people who long for God, but their skepticism keeps them away.
0: It just helps them find their
2: footing, right? Well, or, well yeah, but right. if, yeah, when you said that you don't use them anymore, is that like
3: like you've... I still stand by them. I think that they're right. There's good this... representations of an empiricist look at the Christian faith. It was your starting point.
2: But you move beyond starting... in where your faith is now, or maybe the strength of your faith is now has moved beyond those? Is that kind Certainly. of? Yeah.
3: yeah. But I mean, if I'm forced to, if, if someone says define the Bible empirically for me, I would still go with the axiom, but that doesn't mean that's how I experienced the Bible. But you, I'm weird. I'm a mystic, you know. <laughs> like, well, no,
2: I, I like the term at least because you're not necessarily saying anything beyond that or saying the, neg- the negation of that. Absolutely. Um, it sounds very philosophical. Um, as They
3: know, are actually presented know. as philosophical and not logical axioms, mm-hmm. which there is a, a distinction between the two. Um, and if we describe gravity today, we would use at least statements because we're, there's a lot we don't know about gravity. And so I felt pretty okay if we can't describe gravity in totalitarity. That's not a word. It is now. If we, okay, if we can't <laughs> completely describe God, uh, then, you know, or gravity, then I'm fine if I can't completely describe God or other ideas. But oh, yeah. can I put down what I know enough that uh, I, can, I can approach this faith? Right. And that's the, that's the weird tension for me. I'm an empiricist. I, I have a scientific view of the world. And the way I evaluate fact claims is empiricism. But I also have this mysticism, which seems difficult to put into words very often. And brain science reinforces that. The kinds of experiences people value with God in the brain aren't associated with, their, with your language centers. And I've grown content in sitting with a faith that is in some ways difficult to articulate, that can only be described with metaphor. Um, And in my practice, that kind of empirical grounding is a first step towards a mystical experiential faith uh, for people that can't accept theological claims or, or claims based on revelation.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful.
0: I got to say, you know, going back to the book, you you're an amazing storyteller congratulations stories are worth telling they change lives and give hope and i'm sure you're you're witnessing that um wherever you go and and listening
3: to people
1: it's done that for me i just want to i want to reach through this thing and give you a
3: hug <laughs> I've heard you're a good hugger. I'm an excellent hugger. I, I've actually won awards. Can you? Multiple yeah. awards. Is there I, such I, thing I, as I'm a I'm versatile. I can like side hug. I can. <laughs> the safe side well, um, hug. Love that. The safe side hug. Yeah. You know, just totally versatile hugger. And next up, with the full embrace, Mike McHarg. <laughs> 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 uh,
1: Jeff, you're ridiculous. <laughs> So finding God the uh that's where you get all your dates for your book tour and the live science mics. Uh, my wife and I are hoping to go to the... I think you're in LA and I'm in LA twice, else.
3: and there'll be one in Orange County.
1: Okay. Costa Mesa?
3: Um, I think Costa Mesa, yeah. Because yeah, LA traffic's...
1: So you got to come close. down for a beer. Yeah, that would be amazing. it <laughs> be fun. Um, <laughs> or a coffee. <laughs> and then we'll put everything in the show notes uh, if I leave anything out, but... Science, ask science Mike the podcast, liturgists, uh, Twitter's at Mike McCarg that's M C H A R G U E, and ask at uh, ask science Mike. So, podcast anything else that people need to know about besides buy this freaking book? It's amazing.
3: Jay, <laughs> <laughs> just need to know that we're listening to one of the all time great podcasts. You, bros, and beers. you
1: knock it off that is ridiculous
2: <laughs> you stop it mike yeah. <laughs> can you mention that on your next uh, your next audio engagement That'd you be are going. Yeah.
1: i did see you're gonna go on <laughs> bad christian in about a half an hour and i'll be watching and feel free as you're getting set up to say hi from bros bibles and
3: beer <laughs> <laughs> the second best podcast yeah. or as i call them bbb
2: yeah yes. bbb pod
3: Yeah, Thank you
2: very much, Mike, for taking the time. Thanks for your heart, Mike. Can we call you Mr. Mr. Science? We'll put in the show notes.
3: I love it. Mm -hmm. I I really, I respond to whatever people call me. It's just, hey, that's the only reason I respond to Science Mike, really, because I couldn't stand that at first.
1: (laughs) Hey, buddy, big guy. At what point do you start making your wife and kids call you Science Mike? (laughs) Is that when your ego gets way out of control from all the success? Whenever
3: I go on the road and I come home, the first thing my wife often says to me is, Science Mike doesn't live here.
1: <laughs> oh, Amen. That is, that's a mic drop right there. Walk away. He's,
2: he's well, then you say, who's paying the bills? <laughs> no, he doesn't. I'm that, guessing that doesn't no. go well.
3: That's not, that's not a good plan. Well, Scott's still not married. So yeah, I'm not married, <laughs> so I have no idea. It's all theoretical what I usually to me. say is, I am so excited to see you, and I've missed you so much. Oh, oh, thanks. thanks. Love somebody. it.
1: Beautiful. All Love right. It. Well, go be well and Good luck
3: <laughs> See you guys Yeah, thank See you guys. Hello?
2: Hello? Hello, Zach? I mean, did you hear the interview? We just came out of it Duh
0: Hey, Zach Oh, Zach
1: <laughs> <laughs> We're not a video so, podcast yet But Jeff had his mouth around the microphone No, wait, are we just coming i just kind of
0: leaning into it Because I'm so tired Are, are we gonna are Man, we...
1: Scott Yeah Go ahead That was Science Mike It was Mike McCarg. It was And I did not, actually, you were the one that brought up the pirate part of his name. So I did not. I want that for the record that Scott told me not to do that. And Scott brought it up. But I will say, we didn't get a chance to ask him how he would feel when he's inducted into the Pirate Name Hall of Fame, which can only happen seven years after his death. It's a rule. Yeah, it's part of the rules. There's a waiting period.
0: That's morbid.
1: All the writers, I know, they do it in baseball, though. Yeah. Yeah, Seven years after they die. Wait. No. No. It's wait. Like, is it wait. Like
0: that? Uh. Mm, I remember watching induction speeches. So mm, <laughs> we'll see. Once Pete Rose dies, <clears throat> decades from
1: now. <laughs> yeah.
0: We'll see if that happens.
1: He'll get posthumously. So, guys, how do you feel? Science, Mike. Any thoughts, reactions to what he said? Mike's got a great heart. He's a great storyteller. I loved his book, and.
0: It's even better to, you know, hear it from him in person. I love uh, the story of him, his wife, and just that strength that they have right now. Um, it's it's awesome. He's just living the dream uh, in his marriage. Sounds fun.
2: Yeah, I man, I'm really appreciative of him coming on. Um, with him, he's got to go do another another event. After us, and uh, I don't know what he did before, but man, I could barely get one thing done in a day. I can imagine doing multiple things. So, hat
1: tip to you, Science Mike. Yeah, I, I also <laughs> I love how
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Jeff Jeff is so excited right now that we just had Science Mike on that he's you're experiencing periods of just. Spikes, <laughs> euphoria, you, yeah, spikes of euphoria followed by quick crashes where you're you're dead for like thirty seconds at a time. I think we just had that. Well, uh, you know, we
0: talked to 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 Mike about you know parts of the brain, and you know, Scott, you did do the lobotomy on me about thirty minutes ago when when it ended. So that's got to be it. Yeah, just, it's I quick took, up and downs. I took part of your freak. Frontal free lobular <laughs>
1: cortex out. Frontal free cortex.
2: That's I love, correct. I yeah. love
0: when you mention gland and Mike's like, gland. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, the, uh, we to take, I had gl- a reminder that there's a pituitary gland. <laughs> Duh, science Mike.
1: I also like how we went, we were like up against the wall, done with this thing. He has a heart out cause he was going on to bad Christian. And, then I bring up the axioms and he <laughs>, laughs at me like, because the axioms always come up in every podcast and it, you almost have to ask him. But honestly, I, I felt, I got the feeling like if we never brought up the axiom axioms, he might've been refreshed. Like these guys actually didn't, didn't go there. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. sorry guys. I really dropped the ball. Way to go, Zach. No, yeah. Forgive me. That, Zach, can, that was pretty much yeah. a horrible podcast. I'm sorry guys. I'll delete
2: uh, it.
0: You want me to stop it? listening? Yeah.
2: Just, just, if it delete, wasn't for the episode, if it wasn't for it, Mike,
0: you know, It'd be just a total bummer. Um, yes, Scott? Well,
1: no, Zach, if you were going to pick the axiom, like, I, I picked the one about the, the Bible.
0: Would you have picked a different
2: one to ask him about? Or?
1: I wasn't sure. I like the the Bible. The prayer one's good. They're all really good. Um, my vocabulary is extensive, guys, like my adjectives. The Bible's they're, good. They're neat. Prayer's they're, good. They're good. That was fun. The one
0: about God is good.
1: But I appreciate, Scott, that you you have a very different take on scripture and you brought up that, that Bible axiom. And I thought it was really good. We, we learned something from him. You would definitely on a different, in a different scenario, like having a beer with Mike, you would definitely want to go deep on that. I I would have, I would have tried to ask some more questions and the
2: axioms in general, because of how he phrases it, that this is at least what God is. It's, I don't have a problem with them um, because they they aff- are pretty much affirming basic ideas about about who God is and uh, you know definitionally and what the Bible is. Actually, I didn't get to the other the other axioms on. Did you say
0: stuff, definitionally?
2: But, yes, like like if you were going to define God and he yeah, you know, know he mentions that in his book you, a couple of times. Like, who is God? If you once you start to define who God is. Creator of the universe. Next, you're not defining God. Um, well, you can define God as He has revealed Himself to us. I, I think, but our all-powerful awesomeness. Next, <laughs> awesomeness supremus, su- supremacist. Wait, wait a second. Can you say that
0: about
1: God? Su- that He's the su- you shut your su- mouth, God supremacist.
0: Supremacist.
1: Yeah, you can.
0: You're going to bring my euphoria down. <laughs> Here, take a hit off this. <laughs> <I'm> a, <geez. laughs> Just a bump, Jeff. Yeah, it's a down. Yeah. <laughs> that's, ter- that's terrible. I'm so excited. That was, an, that was an awesome interview. It was like he became the fourth... bro. He, oh, my gosh. Are we fourths now? I may be one of the four. We're, we're only 25%.
1: We can assign temporary partitions to the Brotherhood. Is And it- I, I feel like he, we did that with him today. Is that in our bylaws? Uh, well, we'll have to come to a quorum we'll hold a meeting first scott's going to form a committee and we'll talk about whether we're going to do that or not but
0: scott are you going to yeah. like box everybody into like the rules of how we have to act
2: probably yeah I'll speak i'm going to i might use something that might be considered close to something possibly in the realm of a methodology which might possibly be at least
1: called scientific
0: okay that's amazing. Until it's not.
1: Until it's not. All right. This podcast is amazing until it's not. And it's not right now. Science Mike, amazingness,
0: awesome, awesome, awesome. Buy
1: his book, Finding God in the Waves. Go see him. Hit us up if you're in the L.A. area, and we'll do a meetup. We will be at some function in L.A. with Science Mike. At least that's the plan right now. We're,
2: we're sticking to it. When are we going to do the BBB meetup?
1: And eventually we're going to have our own, right? Well, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. We go there. We get beers. We drink with people. And we're meeting up. Hey, guys. It's our first meeting. Look for a (laughs) hyper-emotional school teacher, probably crying. (laughs) Look for a judgmental conservative in the corner with his (laughs) arms folded in front of his chest. And look for a guy in the baseball hat who doesn't know what the f really he's doing. Sorry. That's a yeah. <laughs> It was a clean podcast. <laughs> I will edit that out. Actually that's our tagline now. Rose Babbles and Beer. We'll edit that out. <laughs> I'm a gym teacher
0: I actually want to be a polygamist If we could just spank him one time Don't quote me bro I did try to only have one wife Blasp of me of the Holy Spirit Um
3: What does Scott believe? There are, I believe that Shut your reformed mouth I just need to know that we're listening to one of the all-time great podcasts <laughs>